Sunday night edition of the Crash the Pond podcast. We're back with another episode. It was we almost were able to record an episode with the Stanley Cup having been awarded, but almost, almost. Thanks to none other than Corey Perry. Hashtag who, Perry is still good. Who some might say is still good, thanks to his double overtime heroics last night. We're not going to be able to talk about the this a Stanley Cup champion, which would have been the Lightning, because. Uh, there's going to be another game tomorrow, a game six, and that should be that should be pretty interesting. Um, it's been a fun final so far. We're going to get into that and more uh, as we as we get through this show. But first, before we do that, we're almost at the very end here of the Ducks having really not a whole lot of news going on with the draft that's coming up in a mere nine days, eight days now, something like that. Something we're in the along single those lines. We're in the single digits, the, and the draft yeah, is it's nine give, days. It is officially a week from this upcoming Wednesday, so it is coming up shortly. Yep, it's coming up, and we're we're almost there. We're almost there. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a full on schedule packed for you guys for yep. that, and that's gonna be awesome. I'm very curious what's gonna happen in this draft. There's there's been so much build up to this draft like like none other before it, and it's gonna be. It's a big night for or a big day, whatever you want to call it, for for the Ducks franchise and, and for their rebuild. So we'll have plenty of opportunities to get into that. But first, before we do all of that, before before we get there in those in those single digit days now, TSN hockey, trade bait list. That thing is just pumping right now. It's it there's names that are being added left and right. Trades are happening. We saw Mark Stahl get traded to the Red Wings today. Uh, basically, f- so that the the Rangers could get out of his cap hold, and and then they attached a second round pick to that. So supposedly, real quick on that, I find it kind of entertaining on that trade because supposedly they traded him so they could go after Alex Petrangelo, which, on the surface, not an awful decision if you're trying to make your team better right now. Mm-hmm. But it is somewhat funny if you were to think about it because they paid. When do you think Mark Stahl or how old do you think Mark Stahl was when they gave him that contract? I will take a look. But just if you had to to take a guess, how old do you think Mark Stahl was when the Rangers gave him uh, that contract? Uh, I don't know. Twenty eight. Yep. That would be my guess. Also, I will get there eventually. Um, (laughs) He signed that deal in 2015-16 and Mm -hmm. he is currently 33. So I'll do that math backwards at some point in time um but he was i don't even want to i can't do the math while i minus well, minus five years yes so he's so 30, 28 he, he was 28 he's 33 now so there we go uh-huh. um you might say i should be better with uh simple math being an engineer but you know it is what it is um <laughs> but but getting to the point they gave him that deal at 28 years old. It was a six-year deal worth $5.7 million a year. And the reason why they're trading him is basically his performance has fallen off enough as he's gotten later on in his career that he is mm-hmm. not worth that cap hit. And so they are attaching a second-round pick to simply get rid of him. So I find mm-hmm. it entertaining that they're then, in turn, going and signing a 30-year-old uh, Alex Petrangelo, who more mm-hmm. likely than not is going to get about probably 10-plus million, be over – and for eight years probably or seven years whatever the max term is he's probably gonna get max max term and pretty much max value um Mm -hmm. and it's it's just like a never-ending cycle because three three, four years down the line they're gonna be in the same situation and granted Mm -hmm. you're they're doing it to win now now 
I don't know if that's the situation the Rangers should be in. Well, there's a there's kind of a problem with your example. Okay. Go with it. Alex Petrangelo is much, much fair, much better no, than Mark and, Stahl. And, and I think that's going to come out in terms of the the AAV that he's going to be worth the AAV he's getting, just like Mark Stahl was worth the five point seven when he got uh, that. Was he worth it at that time? He was close to being worth it. At <laughs> was that he time. worth it at that time? But will <laughs> will Alex Petrangelo be worth it five six years down the line? Probably not. Similar to Mark Stahl, not being worth it five six years down the line. And, uh-huh. and that's kind of my point is that it's it's a never-ending circuit of let's pay the guy that's 30 years old for eight years. And it's just funny to me that it's not a bad deal. It's not going to be a bad deal if they go after Petrangelo and get him. I think that this trade is a good deal for them because it frees up cap space for them. They can use it with flexibility. They're a team that doesn't necessarily need that second-round pick now that they're going to be getting Lafreniere. They got Kako last year. Yeah. They're, they're lined up. And mm-hmm. so the cap space is, is more beneficial to them to be able to turn this team now into a contender. But having said that, if it goes to Petrangelo, it's just going to – it will be – I'll find it a bit comical if three, four years we're talking about why do the Rangers give Alex Petrangelo that deal? How do they get out of this deal type of deal, type of thing? I think that that's fair. Um, that's kind of the Im- implicit risk anytime you sign someone in the UFA window. Yep. Um, and before the Rangers, they have so much cap space. They have – Right now, they have $20 million in cap space. Of course, they have a lot of guys that they need to resign. So it's it's not exactly, you know, it's not a true $20 million, But at the same time, yeah, you, you bring in a Petrangelo at $9 million a year, and that, that still cuts into that. You, even if you, you, you say, yeah, well, you have maybe $10 million left in cap space, uh, it's not quite the same when half of the cap space you had went towards one player. So I, I get what you're saying on that. It's uh, it, it's not necessarily a bad point, but if you compare Alex Petrangelo's stats this year to Mark Stahl's, oh, for example, yeah. he's a he makes. <laughs> here's the thing on Petrangelo, and this is the thing he's I an elite. He's an elite defenseman. He he's makes an, he makes mm-hmm. them a lot better moving forward for these next few years. So you said you said that um, Mark Stahl signed in fifteen sixteen. Uh, yes, he signed in fifteen sixteen. So in fifteen sixteen. If I'm comparing the RAPM numbers for both Petrangelo and Stahl, um, Alex Petrangelo was still an above average to well above average offensive defenseman, maybe not quite as elite defensively. And Mark Stahl was in the red in every category. So, So, (laughs) no, and I think this is a worthy, this is more of a worthy investment. True. If if you're the, if you're the, uh, the New York Rangers. Totally and completely fair. Yeah. Well, the thing is for them, I think a lot of it comes down to, do you think that what they have in their young forwards and on their back end, and then you bring in an established player like Alex Petrangelo, how much, how much further along are they in their trajectory when you insert a Petrangelo? Yeah. And I think that's the key thing is this, Mm -hmm. if, if you sign Petrangelo, you're doing it for the now. You're mm-hmm. doing it because you're buying into what you saw that at the end of the season. Yeah. You're well, buying into mm-hmm. to what you saw, and you think that this team in the next two to three years can win a cup. And that very well may be the case. You're you're plugging mm-hmm. in Lafreniere to this team. If Kako can develop and become what everyone thought he could become, you have mm-hmm. a Hart Trophy finalist in Artemi Panarin. You have Mika Zibanejad. You have some mm-hmm. great goaltending uh, potentially coming through with uh, Georgiev and uh, Shesterkin. Mm-hmm. And – 
there's a recipe there that they can follow for success. And if you had Petrangelo, that helps out immediately. My more thought process, like you said, is it it's the long-term thing of it. It's just funny to me that you're taking the money that you signed a guy to in his uh, prime years, paying him well past his prime years, and you're going to do that same type of thing. Mm-hmm. No, and I, I totally agree with that. And the, the, the thing with Petrangelo, they do need a player like him, but I don't know if they need a player like him at that price tag, so... Yeah, I don't know how the, I don't know how this turned into a Rangers pod, by the way, but that was a. Yeah, it, a it's an it's an interesting <laughs> trade to look at because, and the reason why I think it's interesting to look at is if the Ducks had cap space, that is mm-hmm. the exact type of deal the Ducks should be doing the the mm-hmm. from the Red Wings side of it, as in the Red Wings took on Mark Stahl one year of it and got a second round pick for it. So I know where your mind is at on this. Okay. In in relation to the Ducks. Bacchus Steel. How that, does this com- how does this so compare? So actually, I think it. I my brain instantly thought about that, and I was like, okay, I was one of the people that thought Bacchus was for the first. Mm-hmm. Maybe I maybe this backs me off of that a little bit mm-hmm. because Mark Stahl had five point seven. Bacchus was what is he at with the Ducks? Three and a half, I think, is where he's at with the Ducks. Maybe it's four and a half. Let me double check that real quick. So that yeah, he's four that. and a half. It's at four and a half uh, in terms of his cap it with the Ducks, but it was for more than one season. It was uh, for the rest of this season plus next season. So that does add a little bit to it. Um, so I think maybe there is a bit more credence to the thought of uh, it, it was more so Bacchus would have gotten them a second round. The Ducks a second round pick. And then Kasha elevated that from a second to a first and got Axel Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be talking about that trade for a long time, I think. <sighs> we definitely are. We definitely speaking, are. Speaking of just revisionist history, since we're on this tangent, I was looking at Brandon Montour's numbers from last season. Not good. <laughs> Not good at all. Okay, but so like I was saying before we got on this, Trade bait list, TSN, it's something they do every year. And there's names that are being added to the list left and right, left and right. And there are some names on here that could make sense for the Ducks and could not. And so what we're going to do, we're just going to fly through the list. Uh, We're going to do the top 20. We're going to count down from 20 down to 1. We are not going to spend a ton of time on each player just because... There, the sheer fact that we only have so much time to talk on the yeah. show, and also because some names are maybe just not quite as uh, quite as enticing. So let's start at number. Well, before we get into number twenty, I just want to point out Brandon Montour is on this list, and he's number twenty-four, which is why I was kind of looking into him the other day. And uh, is he a guy? Just, just work with me here for a second. The Ducks yeah. need the the Ducks need right hand sh- shot defenseman. Okay, he is he is an RFA. Do you even consider for a second bringing back Brandon Montour? No. And Re- really? Uh, I I don't. Um his numbers have not been good and we've been we've been up and down to say the least on uh on Brendan Gooley, but Brendan mm-hmm. Gooley in a first was a steal for Brandon Montour mm-hmm. from what it looks like at this point. Um mm-hmm. I don't know if I would bring Brandon, Brandon Montour back and Brandon Montour sneakily is old. He's much yeah, he's, older than... He's 26, I, I believe. Yeah, he's 26, which is mm-hmm. much older than I would have expected. You think about him being a young guy. He's 26. 26, just for everyone out there in terms of aging curves. Um, and if you're looking at aging curves, that's right in the middle of the prime. Mm-hmm. So he is what he is at this point. And it's not as if he's a guy that's going to develop and become better. 
And so that's not exactly a guy the Ducks should be looking to bring back for that aspect. I mean, you'll probably hear this as, as we're going through this trade bait list. A lot of the guys that I would look at bringing in would have to be at oldest 25 years old because you want to have a guy that is going to be in his prime still when the Ducks are starting to get into that playoff contention in two to three years. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, well, and, and yeah. the Ducks, and you and I have talked about this, the Ducks also sneakily aren't that young of a team. As much no. as Bob Murray has tried to say the team is young, the team is young, and all of that other stuff that, that he's put out there, this Ducks team is not that young. It's a pretty old team, honestly, if you're looking at it. Well, not old. Let me rephrase that. They're a prime age team. They have a lot of guys in that 27 to 30 window. So in their prime or exiting their prime. They do have an influx of younger talent that are starting to come in, but you look at the core of this roster, the majority of this roster, they're in that 27 to 30-year-old range. And yeah. that is prime... And- Preferably, preferably for a rebuilding team, that number is lower. The average age is lower. Yeah, that that's why it's an issue. Um, but what is interesting though is with Brandon Montour, he is not at all a play driver at five on five, and his defensive numbers are mediocre to bad. He does have some positive impact on scoring when he's out there and which kind of makes sense if you think about it even though we're not talking about expected we're talking about actual goal scoring i i think that because he shoots the puck so much and because he's always looking to get involved that kind of makes sense but that's a third pairing defenseman to me you're not you're you you have to pair him with someone who's going to be able to hold their own at five on five and hope that giving montour a little more room he can have some impact on on the scoring but when you look at brendan gooley Last season, Brendan Gooley doesn't even have that to fall back on. He's just a negative across the board. On-ice scoring, expected scoring, uh, shot suppression, shot generation. He doesn't really bring anything to the table. Um, and so I'm, of course, focusing on five-on-five. Five. I'm, I'm sure that if you look at uh, power play numbers, they're going to be a little different. But to me, a large part of your consideration when you're trying to make a move is how does this player impact five on five? Because that's where the majority of the game is played. And unless that player is really elite um, on the power play, I don't think that that can really override um, five on five play, which is funny because we're going to talk about Patrick Laine soon. <laughs> um, that will be although, a fun conversation. Also looking at their power play numbers, they're both bad on the power play. So yeah. Uh, anyway, let's, uh, let's get into this. Number 20. We're going to start off with the doozy here. Max Domi. He's I'll let, 20. I'll let he, you take the, the, the floor on this one, seeing as you have a little bit more expertise in Max Domi than I do. Do I? Do I have expertise in Max Domi? Just a little bit. Is that what we're calling? Calling yeah. whatever I have? Yes. Um, so Max Domi, he is an RFA right now. And if you look at um, if you look at Evolving Hockey's projection for his contract, it's actually pretty high. He is, he is projected at eight years times $8.5 million a year in AAV, which seems like a shockingly high number for Max Domi. But if you look at his actual on-ice metrics, they're they're not terrible. He's a really good ge- offensive generator, uh, both from an from an actual scoring perspective and the, the quality of the chances that he's generating. He's one of the best playmakers in the NHL. He's one of the highest in terms of getting passes into the slot. Um, if you look at his power play numbers, he's he's good on the power play as well. So that number is very rich for my blood. I don't necessarily know uh, if that's what he'll get because of the down season he just had. If you look at his numbers in 1920, um, 
let's see here. He played, he had 17 goals and 44 points. So it's not really the kind of elite season that he had the year before where he topped 70 yeah. points. Yeah. And I, um, I now but, have his, uh, RAPM mm-hmm. stats up on the screen, uh, from the past three seasons. So you'll be able to see kind of what he's been able to do on the power play and at even strength. What was the, the contract value one more time? Eight times 8.5 essentially 8, 8.45 yeah giving max domi eight years seems a bit much for me he is I, 25 so I, you've got you've got at least five to six years of prime production there. yeah i would say five years would feel about right i would say five years i mean in the six million dollar range seven million dollar range i i think mm-hmm. also you have the flat cap to worry about that would pr- probably be i think where i would find myself comfortable well, so with by with the max way domi. Th- these contract projections they include they, the flat cap, right? Yes, they do. So, mm-hmm. yeah, because because I, I I actually posted something about this, and then someone asked that, and Evolving Hockey actually replied and said, "Yeah, this because They're the really the, the, really the, helpful and really good. If you ever have a question, just shoot, just yeah. send them a message on Twitter. The default the default cap number is eighty one point five. So this is the uh, the assumption it's working with. So is he worth that number? Probably not, but yeah. at the same time, if you can get him at a reasonable number or maybe some kind of bridge deal, I do think that he could be a useful piece for this Ducks team. I actually think he makes the Ducks quite a bit better up front. Yeah, he, helped, he helps offensively a lot. I mean, you look at, mm-hmm. like I said, as you see this RAPM chart, what this basically means is defensively, not that good. Uh, XGA per 60, below average. Corsi against per 60, below average. Uh basically kind of everything defensively below average everything offensively above average so generates offense really well and so he's a player that i think it would be beneficial i mean this is going to be the crux of it all uh the ducks don't have the cap space to bring him in this year they don't and, and that, they don't. that that's the big issue here with getting max domi if you were to get him they would have You'd to have be to money trade. moving out yeah you're you'd have to trade someone right now who makes a decent amount of money to Montreal for his for his rights and that would it would be a pretty interesting deal because you're going to have to ship someone of significance right you're looking at a Manson a Henrique uh you're looking at something in there that that you're going to have to move out and for Montreal I don't think that they're really interested in any of the guys that Anaheim would be looking to move out they have too many centers in Montreal. They have a bunch of right-hand shot defensemen. They're the opposite of the Leafs in, in that department specifically. So I don't really see a deal working there. I think he makes the Ducks better, Max Domi does, but I just don't I don't see that one how it would really work. Do you? No, I really don't. Can you don't. see you don't see a way that it that it works? No, it doesn't make a whole <laughs> lot of sense to me how it would work, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it doesn't... I think he's a player that would help the Ducks. I don't necessarily think he's someone that is worth trading enough out to make it worth it Mm cap-wise. And I don't think he's going to be worth whatever contract he necessarily gets. He's just kind of on the fringe. Yeah. He's just, there's just a little too much complications there. So here's, here's the thing I think with Domi and correct me if I'm wrong here. um, Seeing as you would have seen him more. But he almost feels like similar to basically what the Ducks kind of have already, not necessarily in play style, but in terms of fit in the lineup, in terms of uh, where they fit in the line with with Ricard Raquel and Jacob Silverberg. You're basically getting another guy that is kind of in that uh, skill range. If you're looking for a guy that, that's a second liner, maybe a fringe first liner if he has the right line mates. That's kind of where I view Max Domi. 
And like I said, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know if you necessarily need more of those. What the Ducks need to be doing is trying to find that home run swing. Yeah, I mean, I think Max Domi could become a first-line player. He he has he has that level of skill, and if he has any kind of consistency, you see what he can do uh, production-wise. So I think he's a I think he's above those guys that you just described. But yeah, he's not necessarily a um, but, kind of a lock to be a star. By but the way, what he. Re- what he is right now is something the Ducks don't have. Really quick, I want to mention this. Hockey Boys asked us in our Twitch chat, is there going to be a pre-draft podcast about the players the Ducks should be targeting and could get? We'll be hitting that next weekend. So we'll be doing another podcast next Sunday, um, 8 p.m. our standard time. And on that podcast, because the draft will be three days away, that will be our pre-draft prod- podcast. We're also planning night of the draft. And sorry to jump to drop this on you, Felix. We've talked about this a little bit, but figure we should put it out there with people asking about it. Uh, on the night of the draft, we will be doing a show that night also to break down what happened. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there you go. Um, okay, let's uh, move on through the list here. So we've got two players from the Tampa Bay Lightning. We've got Tyler Johnson and Alex Kalorn. They're both 30. Um, you know, the... Tyler Johnson is an okay producer, 31 points last season, and then, or sorry, yeah, 31 points last season, and then Alex Kalorn, 49 points last season. They're both on this list, obviously, because the, the Tampa Bay Lightning are constantly needing to move out guys who make significant cap hits, and it's it's just kind of the cost of, of being a good team in a, in a cap world. So if you're the Ducks and you're looking at these 30-year-old players, yes, I think they are they can be valuable players, especially if you look at Alex Kalorn, who had 26 goals last season. None of their impact metrics at five on five really stand out. I think they're both decent players for sure. Kalorn, um, Kalorn kind would, be of, a bit, would be a boost for the power play because that's where he's done a lot of his damage over the years is on the power play. So that would be maybe yeah. the only reason why you would look at bringing and, in Kalorn. And they can hold their own at five on five, which is important. The Ducks don't really have a lot of good five on five players right now, especially up front. So... I think they're interesting, but what is the cost going to be? And is that is that a is that a player you want to bring in who's going to take a bite out of your cap and who might take a spot away from a younger player? That's yeah, the question to exactly. me that I kind of land on no for both. I agree with that completely. Okay, well then let's move on. Yeah, so, I mean, there, so there's, far, not, there's not a, there's not a whole lot more to be said on that because it doesn't it doesn't make a whole lot of sense from the cap perspective. They're gonna have, especially if Tampa mm-hmm. wins, they're gonna there will be a uh, winning tax basically associated with them, where they all of a sudden have this leadership associated with them because they've now won a cup because the whole cups mm-hmm. in the room thing mattering, and so that will add some cap hit to them. And so. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, both from a cap situation and a roster situation, just as some doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yep. And moving on the list here, we get to Brady Shea. He's 26. He had 24 points last season. He's making a crazy amount of money, 5.25 million a year. He's got four years left on his deal. His numbers are terrible. Uh, there was once upon a time where he was a promising player on the Rangers. Uh, that time has passed significantly. He's also a left-handed D. I just don't even see the Ducks considering this, and I don't think that they should either. He just doesn't make sense for so many different reasons. The cap, the the fact that he's a superfluous player on this roster, yep. and the fact that he's just not very good. Yeah, I, I think I think those are all key aspects of it. Is not very good, plays the left side. Uh, yeah, it, once again, doesn't make sense. Ryan Strom. Ryan Strom, he's 27. 
He had 59 points last season. I don't know if that's his career high, but probably is. Um, he had 18 goals. He's an RFA, and at age 27, his previous cap hit was 3.1. If you look at his uh, projection here on uh, on Evolving Hockey, I, I don't even have it up right now. Yeah, it's uh, eight years, eight years, 7.38 for Ryan Strom coming off of a career year. So I'm going to pass. I'm just going to go ahead and pass on the contract. If you look at the player, um, he's he's just kind of an okay second-line player. It seems. Second, second line or third? Last, frame, frame last, season, line. last season, he was amazing at 5-on-5 five five yes. offensively. His impact at 5-on-5 five five was, was really incredible. Um, but if you kind of stretch out your sample to the last three years, it's a lot less impressive, and I think that now, and for him, it's great. Now is the best time to go into this this free agency. But I think, from an analytical perspective, you don't want to buy in on the absolute apex of a player when you look at the last three years and they're not quite as impressive. He's a good player, or he's a, he's an okay player, but he's not a guy I would go out and get, even if uh, he was a UFA and he could fill a need for the Ducks and they were a contending team. It just just doesn't make a lot of sense. Yep, I 100% agree. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I feel like you and I are going to agree a lot on this list in terms of our, our opinions. I just don't see a need for Ryan Strom. I mean, honestly, there's not a whole lot of need at the forward position for the Ducks in terms of... I mean, so let me rephrase that. There, there is need in terms of bringing in high-end skill but it would really need to be from a trade. It wouldn't necessarily be from a, a free agent signing. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it from the ducks with their cap, it makes it hard if that makes sense. So this mm-hmm. is important to look at in terms of the trade bait and look who's available uh, for trades and everything like that. But mm-hmm. for guys that like a Ryan Strom, who is an RFA, it's kind of hard because the, uh, the three point one and also tracking back real quick. I misspoke a little bit on Tyler Johnson, Alex Lauren, they're already signed. So, that added cap hit in terms of uh, winning won't be there because they're signed to their current contracts. They're under contract. So, um, but trading for them wouldn't make sense because of that. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm Ryan Strom, same type of deal. He's RFA. It'd be hard to get that deal done and wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. Here's a guy that actually fits the criteria you were talking 100%. about 100%. And this is actually someone that I wrote about, I think, at Anaheim Calling last summer in terms of a guy that Ducks should target. Well, there you go. Tony D'Angelo. He's 24. He's a right-hand shooting defenseman. He is an RFA with arbitration rights. He had 53 points this past season in 68 games, 15 goals for a defenseman, a young defenseman. Looking at his metrics, they're all incredible, really. I mean, defensively. Uh, on your screen right now. De- defensively, he has some work to do. Um, but if you look at this past season, in particular, the defensive numbers did get a little bit better. Offensively, he's still very good. He's very good on the power play. Um, and he's just tracking as a guy who could be a star defenseman. For example, if you look at the the hockey prospecting model that with, with Byron Bader that we had on a few weeks ago. So mm-hmm. he's, he's kind of the guy that the Ducks should be targeting, right? A potential exactly. star, a guy who's already very good. And if you look at um, his contract projection... If I can find it, <laughs> uh, his contract projection: five years, five point seven five. So five point seven oh five. So that that's, that's a, a pretty that's a pretty nice contract. Yeah, that wouldn't Takes be a, too bad. That that's easy to swallow. You move out a little bit of money to get him. Mm-hmm. Maybe trade something to the Rangers that they need. Maybe 
you move, for instance, Josh Manson, something that if the Rangers are looking to contend now, Josh Manson fits that building for them, and you're swapping a right-hand shot D for a right-hand shot D. Here's the question, though. Why would the Rangers get rid of Tony D'Angelo? Because for whatever reason, they think he's a liability in, in his own end. and Do they, they think that? Is, is yeah. that out there? I, I think that's the logic there of why they would want to move him and why they have been looking to move him mm-hmm. last summer even. Yeah, and, I mean, and, he is on this trade bait list. And, and I <laughs> so. think another another part of it is they're going to, I think once they have everyone signed, especially if they sign Petrangelo, mm-hmm. they're going to be tight against the cap again. And they're going to have to sign uh, Tony D'Angelo also. And getting that done is going to be hard. If you're the Ducks, what's your offer? Because at this point, it sounds like you're willing to make an offer. Um, are, are we talking about contract or are we talking about trade? Because they would need to trade for his rights. I don't yeah, think they would so do first, So first, you got to trade for you got to trade for the rights. So what are you trading? I don't know what the, the precedent is for just acquiring a guy's rights. but As, as would, an RFA, when you're mm-hmm. acquiring rights, assume that you're, you're trading for the you're player. Getting, you're getting the player. So what are you trading? I would trade Manson. Straight okay. up. I, I think a Manson for Tony D'Angelo trade is a decent one because you're trading a right-hand shot D for a right-hand shot D. They play very different styles, and maybe the Rangers view that as actually what they need because they have Jacob Truba already there to fill the role that – and they spent a lot of money to go get Jacob Truba and to fill the role that Tony D'Angelo currently is filling. And mm-hmm. so if they view that as being kind of redundant, Josh Manson isn't exactly redundant on that team. Um, in terms of their blue line. And I think that that is something where the Ducks can move out $4 million. They have a little bit of cap space to work with still this year due to LTIR. You bring in Tony D'Angelo, you give him five times five. The Ducks are a better team with Tony D'Angelo than Josh Manson. And Correct. here, I'll, I'll, I'll do the comparison on Evolving Hockey just so we can see it uh, for this. Uh, I'll try to do this, uh, the past three seasons if it's possible. Just so, And this is up on everyone's screen, Felix, just so you know um, as I'm doing it. But... Tony D'Angelo brings exactly what the Ducks need, which is a dynamic offensive element. Maybe you pair him with Hampus Lindholm to try to give him that stability on the back end. Um, multi-season. All right, here we go. Up on the screen, you can see Tony Josh Manson, undoubtedly better defensively, better expected goals against per 60, better at Corsi against per 60. The issue is, is Josh Manson doesn't really do anything for you from the offensive perspective. Tony D'Angelo, and, on the and, other hand. And that's something you just know watching Josh Manson. Yes. <laughs> Tony D'Angelo, you look at his expected goals for per 60, it's in the elite range. And that is something mm-hmm. the Ducks are severely lacking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he he's a guy that you can build around and you can, uh, you know, you can basically kind of bring in guys to, to placate him a little bit just so that they carry the, the defensive load. And that's where a Hampus Lind- Lindholm comes in. Heck, that's even where a Cam Fowler could come in, right? Just as kind of an insurance policy back there. But his offensive instincts are something the Ducks really haven't had from the blue line in how many years? I don't know. <laughs> At least probably, five? Probably since Lubomir Vishnovsky. Yeah, uh, so a decade, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's It's been a long time since the Ducks have had a player like that, and that's a player who could make a big difference. So... I think we're in agreement that both the Ducks should be making calls on Tony D'Angelo, and if it costs you a Josh Manson, I think I think you do it. Crime de la Crime, thirty-three, asks a good question. I think this is an, a, a a good one to ask as we're talking about Tony D'Angelo. Mm-hmm. If the Ducks were to draft Jamie Drysdale at six, would getting Tony D'Angelo still be the right move? Yeah, because you don't you don't know when 
Jamie Drysdale is going to yep. get to the NHL. It could be a year. It could be two years. I don't think he's going to make the jump right away. I don't think he's NHL ready. And so uh, it make you, you would still go for Tony D'Angelo. Yep. And that, I mean, is, yeah. that, that is why you do not draft for need. You draft best player available because you don't know where your roster is going to be two, three uh-huh. years down the line. And so if, if Jamie Drysdale is the best player available for the Ducks at six then and they take him, that's awesome. That mm-hmm. also shouldn't affect the moves that they make um come uh the the trade during the draft for trades or anything like that and so mm-hmm. um yeah so i don't think it should affect whether they get them and also you have to think about it like this tony d'angelo is 24 jamie drysdale is 18 mm-hmm. there's a pretty big age gap there and you're gonna need more than one person on that right hand side in two three years time if your top two defensemen on the right hand side are tony d'angelo and jamie drysdale that's pretty good that, that, that's not too bad yeah, I still wouldn't draft Drysdale at six, but well, yeah, but. we'll we'll get we can get more into that. I mean, do you want to just briefly talk about it right now, or save no. it till next week? No, we've we've got a list to get through here. All right, um, we'll save it till next week. Well, tease everyone. We talked about Alex Petrangelo already, but he is next on this list at fourteen. Kind of crazy that the the Blues aren't finding a way to keep him around since they're pretty much in their window, and you'd think he's a guy that you just kind of pay and make it work, but. Alex Petrangelo, he's 30. Um, right now, his contract projection is definitely outside of the Ducks' price range. Eight years, we already talked about it, $9 million. Um, Is he a guy you even consider? No. Yeah. No. Uh, for no. the exact reasons of why I was, was making a, saying that it was would be comical for the Rangers to get him. Well, the you, ra- the Rangers, you, were, you can at least make the argument that yeah. they are contending. The way you were talking about it seemed more relevant for the Ducks than the Rangers. True. Because because the the Ducks don't. If the Ducks did it, it would actually make no sense. If the Rangers do it, there's a there's a very clear path forward for them, which the Ducks right now don't really have. Um, next on the list, Johnny Boychuk. Pass. Yeah. I'm just passing. He's 100%. not. He's not, not good anymore. Not even really worth uh, spending a whole lot of breath on. Darcy Kemper. Where do that's, you where do you an, land on that? That's an interesting one. So he signed, I think, for two more years at mm-hmm. four and a half, and mm-hmm. so he he's a little bit pricey for a backup. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I also don't know if yeah. he would really want to go anywhere where he yeah. would be a backup. I think he's going to want to go to somewhere where he's a starter, but. He played 29 games this past year. Yep. I feel like he would have played more, but that is what TSN is, is putting on the trade bait list. Um, and, and so he could play that 30 to 40 game range. It would be the perfect backup or, or compliment more a 1A, 1B situation with John Gibson. Mm-hmm. The main issue for the Ducks is making it work with this cap hit. But maybe that's a player you look at bringing in uh, and, and kind of being there with John Gibson, uh, help him out. He is a little bit older than Gibson, not necessarily mentoring him, but being there for him to kind of work with and, yeah. and work through things. And so that's that's one that I actually hadn't thought about. But seeing as we had the backup goalie conversation last week, I think that's a, a really interesting person to bring up in that conversation. Gibson Kemper would be the best goalie tandem in the league. Probably. By a good margin, by a pretty wide margin. And I really do think it's worth spending on your goalies. It's worth spending on your backup goalie, because if you're going to invest in your starter, you need to have a way to, uh, to insulate him and to make sure that he's not being overworked. And we've seen that with John Gibson time and time again, if you bring in Darcy Kemper, you could legitimately have a, a split going an even split for, you know, 41, 41, 
Why not? I just don't see any harm in that. I think it's tough to make it work in the room because everyone knows John Gibson is the starter and does that chip away at, at some of his hold on that? I, I don't think it should. I think everyone knows, even Darcy Kemper probably knows that John Gibson is the better goalie, but we'll just have to see what, what kind of offers are out there. I'm sure teams will be calling you know, quite a bit on Darcy Kemper because he's so good, but I, it, it, for, if you're the Ducks, it just kind of depends on the price tag. If you have to move out something really significant, I don't think it's worth it at that point. But this just goes back to my overall philosophy, really, that the Ducks should be investing in a, in a good backup who's more of like a fringe starter, um, a guy who maybe just can't really quite be that, well, th- that horse, essentially. And I think the, the other thing um, with Kemper that, that's important, and not necessarily saying that, Gibson is is gonna get injured, but as he gets more well, history uh, indicates, he's probably gonna get injured at some point again. At, at some yes, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's bound to happen. He's been pretty healthy the last couple of years, but when you add wear and tear, you add more miles on legs. Injuries are gonna happen at some point in time, and having a backup like Kemper, who has proven that he could uh, take the reins, is good. And even vice versa, if Kemper gets hurt, then Gibson can take on a little bit of an added workload. And so I, I think that that's a really good compliment. I think that. That's actually something, and now here, here's the question. What would it take to get Darcy Kemper out of Arizona? Because I find well, that, it interesting. That's what I was saying, yeah. I mean, I don't, I, know, I don't know what they would want. Uh, I find to make it interesting that, that he's on this list because he was their starter. He was, I mean, he was the only reason they were in a, in, uh, past the, made it past Nashville and were mm-hmm. somewhat in the series against they, was they it Colorado. They weren't in it. What? They, they were not in it. No. Um, <laughs> they got and, brutally outshot. But yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, but because of the goaltending, sure. Well, the thing is, they still have Antiranta, and he's got one year left on his deal. And maybe they see him as the starter because he's been hurt so often; he just hasn't had a chance to be that. Um, I'm I'm not really totally sure why uh, Darcy Kemper is on here, but I guess you got to trade one of those two, uh, you know, to make it work. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, maybe that's the case. So maybe for the Ducks, you try to cash in. The only thing is, mm-hmm. I would not try to give up too many assets for a 30-year-old goalie. If it's no. a later pick or a prospect you don't think you'll ever use, maybe that that's okay. But uh, I'd be cautious of breaking the bank on Darcy Kemper. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Josh Manson for Darcy Kemper. We're just trading mm, Josh Manson. No, for- I, w- I would not do that one. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> that, that's where Let's, I draw um, the line on the Josh Manson uh, potential trades that I always throw out. Yeah, let, let, let the record show that we wouldn't just trade Josh Manson for, for someone like Darcy Kemper. Exactly. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not just completely out on Josh Manson <laughs> here. Um, Ryan Donato, he is on this list, which is pretty concerning as a 24-year-old who was once seen as maybe promising in Boston. Has yeah, already he was been, one of their top prospects at one point. Has already been traded once to Minnesota. He has a year left on his deal. And last season, you look at his numbers, I mean, 23 points in 62 games. You look at his on-ice numbers, he's kind of an okay, slightly above average middle six player, uh, but not really a guy who I think you can, you look at and, and see a lot of potential there. And if you look at Byron Bader's model, uh, star probability is in the single digits. <laughs> one percent not very good he's trending the wrong way in terms of being an actual nhler so i it's kind of unfortunate because i think donato got a little hyped up because of the fact that 
he had some big games in Boston, and and that's going to get you some shine on the national stage. But he also played. He also did really, really well in the Olympics. He is. He remember. yes, he is the kind of guy that Bob Murray has been targeting in the last few months. If you go back to the trade deadline, a guy who maybe hasn't quite yet met expectations yet, like a Sonny Milano or or a Danton Heinen. So he does fit the profile of the of, of the kind of player the Ducks have been looking at, and maybe the Ducks throw something at the wild and get Donato in the system. I could actually see the ducks doing this, but personally I would not do it because I don't think the potential is high enough there. When you look at Sonny Milano, there was at least there was a, a decent amount of evidence that he could become a, a good player uh, with Danton Heinen. Maybe not quite as much Daniel Sprong. There was still a lot of potential there when they acquired him, but I just don't really see that with Ryan Donato. I, not even close. Yeah, I don't either. Um, to me, yeah, it would be a complete flyer situation. The, mm-hmm. the issue is is that the Ducks have a decent amount of depth at left wing throughout the prospect system. Depth, so quote-unquote. Well, depth they, in they the have sense guys. of... They have guys. They have a lot of guys. <laughs> they have Comtois. They have Jones. They, they have mm-hmm. a, a couple of other guys that are in the system Mm-hmm. ready to make the jump or should be looking to make the jump. I mean, technically, Silverberg could play the left side. You also have Milano. Danton Heinen can play both sides. So there's a bunch of guys there. And so do you want to just add another guy? Mm-hmm. Like, that that's the question, because well, that's essentially if, what Ryan Donato If is. you're Bob Murray, I think we all know the answer to that. The answer yes. is, is yes. Yes. Um, so Max and, Jones – sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was going to say, which deck chair is he going to shuffle to bring in Donato? Yeah, Max Jones, at some point, something's going to have to happen there, right? How long How long are the Ducks going to... I mean, I, I'm sure they'll keep him around as long as they can, but his numbers last season were... They were okay. You know, the I production, think he was one of the better of the kids, but nobody really had great numbers out the, of the kids. That, the, that's kind of a bigger issue. Yeah, he's just kind of a... He seems like he's trending towards kind of bottom six. and. Yeah. I don't. I mean, maybe you could talk yourself into Donato being able to reach a little higher than that, but Donato is also older. So yep. anyway, I'm just. I, I, I would. I'm trying I to like take, draw this out to see how far I can take it. But I would take yeah. my bet with Max Jones over Ryan Donato. Sure. Him. Well, also because you don't have to. You don't have to move anything to get him either. You already yep. have him in your system. So exactly. Here's a here's a name that I didn't expect to see on this list a few months ago, but kind of makes sense with the current state of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Chris Letang. Uh, he's 33. He's got two years left at 7.25 mil a year. Um, he had 44 points in 61 games this season. He's still a very good defenseman. Uh, you know, maybe not the his defensive game has maybe waned a little bit, but he's still excellent excellent on the power play. Still excellent at driving offense at five on five. Uh, does he fit? Let me ask you this: Do, do you think he fits in with the Ducks and and where they're trying to go? <laughs> no, he's 33. So no. Um, I mean, maybe Bob Murray thinks that they need a veteran presence on the blue line because mm-hmm. the blue line are all guys that are 27 to 30 years old, basically. Mm-hmm. And so he thinks that they need a guy 30 plus. But he's I a, think it would be a he's bad a right, decision. He's a right shot defenseman. Yeah, and, and could play the power play. I mean, he may be fine for them the next year or two. But this comes down to, I mean, he may, he's making 7.25 for the next two years. Ducks can't really take on that cap hit. The Ducks can't take on that cap hit this year. 
and I don't think this really moves them forward in any necessary direction. It may be a stopgap filler type of situation, but mm-hmm. I mean, as I just, Ducks fans, do you I, really want that? And, I, just, I just don't that, understand why the Penguins are looking to move him. The cap it probably seven point two five. But you're in. You're. I mean, they're in a win now mode, and you're. Who's gonna? Who are you gonna bring in that's gonna be better than Chris Letang? I mean, that's potentially probably why they're looking to move him is they think he's a movable piece that could bring in someone that could could do that for them. Or maybe they're looking maybe they're looking at bringing in Petrangelo. Maybe they want to really make that splash signing, uh, spend on the UFA market. But in order to do that, they're going to have to shed some money off of uh, or before then. And well, you look here's here's what I think this is really about. Let's uh, okay. let's move up to number nine, a former Penguin, Mark Andre Fleury. They're looking to move Chris Letang to make room for Marc Andre Fleury. That's what True. this is about. Probably. This is the 4D chess that Jeremy Rutherford is playing. Um, of course, I'm saying all of this sarcastically because I don't know what the heck's going on in Pittsburgh. But Marc Andre Fleury, Fleury is definitely going back to Pittsburgh. He's he's on the trade bait list, and we all know kind of what happened in Vegas. A lot of drama. Let's just put it that way. Uh, a lot of discord with the way that they handled bringing in Robin Lehner. And it looks like he's on the outs in Pittsburgh. I'll just cut to the chase with this one for the Ducks. Hard pass. Yep. 100%. Hard pass. Hard pass. Um, at number eight, Ottawa's second round picks. So <laughs> um, if we look at the Ottawa Senators, and first off, they've got a, a ton of picks because they've done the rebuild correctly. They have four second round picks this year. They have their own. They have Columbus's. They have Dallas's. And they have the Islanders. So none of those are really going to be high second rounders outside of the Senators. Um, If you're Bob Murray, are you looking to maybe stockpile some more second round picks? I mean, they should. Sure. I don't know what Ottawa would. I don't don't really know what Ottawa would want for their second round picks. Manson for two seconds? (laughs) Just just trading Josh Manson every time. I I don't know if I would do that, honestly. But (laughs) sure. So, well, uh, well I, sure, it, in it's a not vacuum. a bad thing to stock to stockpile picks. I mean, that that's one way to really kind of uh, mm-hmm. to get through this and, and get some uh, youth in the rosters. You pick up picks wherever you can. Mm-hmm. Essentially, uh, you want to treat the lot the the draft like a lottery. Mm-hmm. And I've said this, I think, on the show before, but essentially, picture it like a weighted lottery, almost in the same way that the draft lottery is, where uh, the higher round picks, the, the closer you are to first overall, the more likely you are to hit on having a player that's going to be impactful. And as you get away from that first overall pick, it becomes less and less percent chance. But at a certain point, you're just stockpiling picks and you're stockpiling those lottery balls to eventually hopefully think that one hits. Mm-hmm. And so that's what the Ducks realistically should be doing. And that's why I would maybe look at getting an Ottawa second round pick and also... I don't know how long until or how long Ottawa is going to be bad, but maybe for a while. So getting a second round pick from them may be close to a first round pick, a late first. For well, a but I'm talking about this year's second rounders. Well, this year's second rounders also are, mm-hmm. isn't there? I mean, they so, would be pretty. So you're saying if you got a, a second rounder for next year or, or the year after? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's a fair point. I, who knows? I mean, the, the, the Senators. They could be, I don't want to say they're the next Rangers because they still have a lot of work to get there. Um, they could, in theory, still have Mika Zibanejad. Um, but they could turn a, a corner quickly. They have the third and fifth overall pick this year. They have guys like Brady Kachuk who could take another step forward and Thomas Shabbat, who's already elite at 23. So 
they, they might not actually be that far away or as far away as we think, especially depending on who they get at three and five and how quickly those guys turn into NHL players. So yeah. keep an eye out on those Senators. New True. logo, by True. the way. New logo. Thoughts or on it. New old logo. Uh, I don't love the execution of the new old logo, but I love the fact that they went back to it. Um, they, there's some minor tweaks that they made that I don't really like, but overall it's a lot better than what they had. Yep, 100% so. agree with that. It was It's a major upgrade on what they had previously. Number seven, a guy who many Ducks fans I don't think were happy to see leave Anaheim, Kyle Palmieri. He's got a year left, 4.65 mil a year is his cap hit. He's 29 still, which almost feels young because I feel like he's been in the NHL forever. Um, last year in 65 games for the Devils, he had 25 goals on a really bad Devils team. And if you look at his underlying numbers, he's an okay five on five player. Definitely, you know, on the positive side of that ledger, maybe not the best um, defensively or in terms of just overall volume. He's more of a, a quality over quantity type player, generating quality chances, negating quality chances against. But if you look at his power play numbers with that elite shot of his with his playmaking ability, still a very good power play player. Now, for a year, he's basically a rental. And I don't know what it takes to get him. I think I'm going to try to predict what you're going to say here, if you don't mind. I think your your team chaos view is, yes, bring back Kyle Palmieri just because it'll be fun. Your rational thought is it doesn't make total sense for the Ducks. Am I correct yeah. on that? 100% correct. <laughs> 100% Yes, correct. I did it. You know me too well. I did it. Point, <laughs> at this point in time. Yeah, I, I think Kyle Palmieri coming, coming back would be fun. Mm -hmm. And... I think that's part of this, and that's something I haven't really brought up too much, is some of these guys, it would just be fun to see them come back, and I think from an enjoyment perspective, it would be entertaining. I think the thing Chris is, you're, you're spending who, to bring him back. That, correct. That's the and, problem. And so I, I think looking at it from the perspective of entertainment for the next year or two, getting Chris Letang, getting Kyle Palmer would be fun. Long-term view of this team, what does it do? Here's Not a the, whole lot. Here would be my argument for bringing back Palmieri. Okay. You bring him, you, you trade, what, a second? A third? Maybe. I don't think it's going to take... But uh, Actually, I think it, I, I'm actually going to say it will probably take a first. I mean, this is a guy, consistent 20-plus goal scorer. You're getting a full year of him. Think about what that would get at the trade deadline. Kalpo mm -hmm. Mary would get you a first at the trade deadline. Well, that's that's kind of where I'm going with this, is you bring him in, and you just basically maximize. You, you get him as, as low as him. you possibly can, and then you flip him again at the trade yeah. deadline. And and upgrade what what you basically you you, you trade him at a profit. <laughs> is a twenty five goal scorer really as low as he possibly could go in terms of value? I think that mm -hmm. I mean this is a guy that probably it still will take a first round pick to get him. You think so? I mean, like I said, if a guy had twenty five goals, because sixty five games is usually right around the trade deadline, right? Mm -hmm. So if a guy has twenty five goals at the deadline, that usually gets you a first round pick, mm -hmm. right? Fair. Or, 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 or am I misstating there? Or do you disagree with that? No, I agree with you. I, I, I get where you're coming from. I think that it, it's probably the cost of acquiring him is going to make it hard to really get a profit yep. if you flip him again. I exactly. Think, I think that's fair. Another guy who I think some may view him in the Kyle Palmieri kind of realm because he's known as a shooter. Phil Kessel at number six on this list. Phil Kessel's 32. He's got two years left at $6.8 million a year. He only had 14 goals in 70 games this year, and his on-ice numbers are really bad. He's just not good anymore. 
Yeah, he's not the Phil Castle of old. I mean, 14 goals, 38 points, plus bad on on ice metrics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not he's, exactly great. And he's not really breaking the kind of shot quality versus the expected anymore either. He's just he's just kind of a, a below average player, and that's not something the Ducks should be targeting. Okay, let's uh, move on to maybe the most heated player on this list. So the heat, the most heated is debate. It, is it? I don't is know. It, is um, it really going to be that heated of debate? No, maybe not heated, but I think it's the one that you can you can probably give the most thought to because there's there's a million different ways to look at it. Patrick Line. We we've talked about it previously on the show, but he is in this list. He's at number 5. All indications are that the Winnipeg Jets are indeed serious about trading him according to Darren Dreger. So, this is real. And in a in a year where it seems like people were selling their Line stock where now he's about to get traded, he still had 28 goals in 68 games. He's only 22. He's got a year left at 6.75. He's going to cost you a pretty penny. The, the, the cost to acquire him is going to be significant. And once he comes due on his current contract for a renewal, it's going to cost you a lot again. But the potential is very high. He's got an elite shot. He's one of the, he's one of the three best finishers in the game. And that's worth something, right, at only 22. So yeah. what, what's your thought here? So my thoughts here, first off, up on your screen right now before I take it off so I can look at the the contract stuff. But um, you can see his RAPM for the last three years. Uh, really, the only thing that he's above average in is actually scoring goals in terms of generating chances, generating shots defensively. Not great, below average and all of that. But in addition to that, the power play, he actually generates a bunch of shots, a bunch of high dangerous shots, and a bunch of goals on the power play at a very elite level. And that is something the Ducks are significantly lacking in, in terms of skill on the power play that they can put the puck in the back of the net. And so while, yes, he has his issues and people are probably selling their stock because of those issues that he has, he has an elite shot and he has an elite goal scoring talent. Mm -hmm. And there are certain times where even coming from me, where you can look away from the advanced metrics and the on ice metrics, because at the end of the day, scoring a goal is tough. It's one of the toughest Goals. things to do in hockey. Just score, baby. And, yeah, and <laughs> sure, throwing that at me. Great, great. Um, but no, but uh, bringing it back to it, he's proven that he can score, and he's proven that he can score no matter who he's been on a line with, and I think that is important. And while, yes, his on-ice metrics have not been good, I think you can pair him with some guys that can help him and help him out on the defensive side. I also think another part of it is this is a guy that's 22 years old, and he's a guy that can grow still. He's not exactly in his prime as of yet but to put things in perspective i i looked into this when you and i got into this conversation patrick line this past year was his worst year at, with 28 goals in 68 games and now granted shortened season it would have came, still come out to about a 30 goal season that still was the most would have been the most goals in the ducks this past year 63 points most points in the ducks this past year that's saying something and, mm-hmm. and that was on a really bad jets team a mm-hmm. really, really bad Jets team this past year, if you look at their five-on-five metrics. And he still was finding a way to put the puck in the back of the net. And, and so, to me, this is the type of talent where maybe he can improve his five-on-five play, and once he gets that improved, he already has that shot. That's already there. And he already has the goal-scoring ability. And now, on the contract, he's currently making 6.75, so you would need to move money out to make it work. And yes, he's going to get paid on his next deal. 
the good thing for the Ducks that they have going forward is next summer they're clearing up a lot of cap space. And Ryan Getzloff comes off the books. David Backus's contract comes off the books. Eric's Good Branson's contract comes off the books. Um, the Corey Perry buyout goes down in terms of cap hit um, next season. Uh, there's a whole lot of things that are mm-hmm. leading towards the Ducks being able to afford to give Patrick Line a massive contract if he performs at that level this next season. So and what I'm hearing is you would do it. Oh, I 100% would now, do it. Now, is there, is there a price tag where you walk away? How, how much would you have to – how much would the asking price have to be Z, for you Z-Grass, to walk away? Zgrass or sixth overall, I would not move for them. Do, you think, do you think they would ask for either? Seriously, I think they ask. may they may ask for six. They may ask for Zegras. I don't know about that though. I think I I could see them asking for a defenseman plus Zegras. Mm. I think if they do that, I think you push them more towards one of your current roster players. Maybe you you try to sell them on Sam Steele and I don't, Josh Manson. I don't know if they would go for Zegras because I think the Jets are making this move to win now. They're trading. True, a, they're tra- that is true. They're trading a twenty-two year old sniper. So <laughs> I mean, you're not doing that because you're you're worried about the future. So is it a Henrique? Is it a Manson? Because what we've heard from Darren Dreger is they're looking for a second line center and a top four defenseman. And they're a team looking at their cap sheet right now. They only have 13 guys signed, mm-hmm. and, but they have 15 mil in space. So they're looking to, to lock up some guys to be able to fill up that roster. So it may be hard if the Ducks want to bring in. I mean, granted, the, the Jets will be losing 6.75 in cap space. So that makes it a little bit easier for yeah. them to make this work. But maybe i mean yeah maybe you try to do the, josh manson and adam Henrique this is patrick line this is the henrik manson destination to me i 100 percent agree and i'm trying to find and it I, to and, give credit and i think but... it's i think it kind of makes sense for both sides as well because i think henrik and manson undoubtedly make the jets a better team now even if you subtract line I, I mean they they manson is such an upgrade such an addition on their blue line you know where they've been severely lacking and Henrique gives them some additional uh, forward depth, which they can they could use some as well. So really, I mean, I wouldn't do it if I was them, but I think it's a fair deal. And maybe there are some picks on either side, but that 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 seems yeah, it seems it seems feasible. It seems realistic. And I want to I want to give credit to Justin Beck on Twitter who DM me actually this idea about trading Henrique and Manson for mm. Patrick Liney and if that would make sense. So he's the one that brought that up to me, and I think that it makes a whole lot of sense for both sides. I think Chevel Dayoff may have to, would be a little bit short sighted in doing that. Yeah, but I think that that is a deal that would make sense for for the trajectory of both franchises. And make and, no mistake, if if the Ducks do this deal. I think they're they're probably a worse team in the in the very short term. You Potentially, know, you, yes. You you lose your your second line, sometimes first line center, and you lose a top four defenseman, and you bring in a guy in line A who you're it's what? gonna t- it's gonna take some work to to insulate him. You're probably gonna what? be a little worse in the short term. So let me let me throw this out there. What if you flip Josh Manson for uh, Tony D'Angelo? And then you were to do Adam Henrique plus, I don't know, Josh Mahura, something like that, mm-hmm. plus something else, maybe. Jacob to, Larson. To the, Jacob Larson, I don't know. Something right. along those lines. Basically, Adam Henrique plus plus to get Patrick Line. So you've basically swapped Henrique for Line because we've talked to us a little bit. Henrique, most likely, at a certain point, if he's still on the team, is going to swap to wing based upon the, the current set of centers on the roster. Mm-hmm. You, you would expect him to be on the wing at a certain point. So you're basically swapping Henrique for Line and Manson for D'Angelo. 
We're, I don't know if the Ducks are really a worse team if that happens. Oh no! Well, well, so that's a different scenario. I know, yeah. I know, and that that was you saying that the Ducks are a worse team now with it with Henrik and Manson for Line A. I get that. Mm-hmm. Then that popped in my head. Well, there are probably going to be other moves that will happen if that is the case. So let's yeah. throw this out there: if they get D'Angelo and Line A. Yeah, that the team is better at that point. I think. Because yep, they're, D- better, D'Angelo, they're better now, and they're better. They're better three to four years down the line. Yep, because D'Angelo is such an upgrade over Manson right now, and he's going to be better. Whereas, like you said, those other guys are going to decline. Um, and and those are the and when we talk about the deals the Ducks should be making, those are the exact example of the deals the Ducks mm-hmm. should be making. They don't necessarily have to be making the team better this next year. It's awesome if they do it's better for our enjoyment honestly mm-hmm. but what they should be doing is looking three to four years down the line when is this ducks team going to be contending next yeah what is the best move it for doesn't when have to be, be it doesn't even have to be that long from now think two no, two to two three years. years yeah yeah um and and i don't want to necessarily have the rangers become the example for this because they definitely a lot of things went right for <laughs> them to be where well. they are but things can turn quickly they can and so you have to be prepared for that. And I think the Ducks would be positioning themselves well. The only thing I'll add with the Line A deal is, um, would you do Henrik and Coltois for Line A? Yes. Yeah, I think I would too. I, I don't love trading Max Coltois, but you're getting Patrick Line A. <laughs> so yeah. he's already a star. Okay, let's. Um, anything else on the Line A deal? Um, nope, I'm all good. We've got. I think we've got a couple easy ones coming up, so we can kind of fly through this. Oliver Ekman Larson. He's got seven, seven years left on his deal at 8.25. He's 29. I don't think he's that good anymore. I don't, I mean, pass, hard pass, right? Yep, pass. Right? Okay, good. Uh, uh, Number four, sorry, number three on the list, Josh Anderson. Thoughts? I, I could see the Ducks going after him. I don't think they should. Really? So there, there's this kind of narrative on Josh Anderson that he's this really kind of underrated player. And I remember a few years ago, his numbers being decent. And looking at the numbers now, they're really not that impressive. I don't, I don't really know what the hype is about. He's, he's an okay offensive player at five on five, but doesn't he get, is, yeah. he is what everyone thought Nick Ritchie was. Yeah. And I think he, if you bring him in to be a bottom six player, that's fine, but that's really all you're getting. And he's 26. So it doesn't make a ton of sense. One one goal and four points in 26 games last year. Yeah. And obviously he's not that bad, but it, it kind of shows it's a bit of a symptom of where he's at. Matt Dumba. This is the interesting one where I see a lot of people clamoring for the ducks to try to get Matt Dumba. Do you? Or is it just me texting you about it? Well, it's you and CJ texting me about it, and then I see it elsewhere also. <laughs> and that's one where I actually am in very much disagreement with, where I don't think the Ducks should be looking to bring in Dumba. This is a guy that's 26. And and we've talked about it at length, that the Ducks should be looking to move their 26 to 27 to 28-year-old defenseman. Mm-hmm. And, and so, at least just from my perspective, I feel like for me it would be hypocritical if I said the Ducks should be bringing in a 26-year-old defenseman if I've been saying they need to trade Lindholm or they need to trade Manson or they need to trade Fowler to get money out and to get uh, to get younger. And so th- I could see them doing it, but it would just be shuffling deck shirts. It's bringing in a $6 million player at 26 years old that has three years left on his deal. It, it just 
it, it doesn't make sense. Yes, he fills that right-hand shot defenseman role, but the Ducks should be looking, like I said, Tony D'Angelo, those types of guys. And if those guys aren't available right now, you shouldn't be making this move just to make it. You should be waiting until the right guy is available. Wait, wait, wait until that right move is available. I mean, it, it's funny, <laughs> coming back to the the uh, Matt Duchesne trade, but Joe Sackick was torn apart for holding on to Matt Duchesne for as long as he did, but he waited for the right deal. Mm-hmm ended up getting insanely good value for it and got exactly what he wanted. Right. The Ducks should be doing the same and holding out for the exact right-hand shot defenseman that they want. I mean, granted, I would argue Tony D'Angelo from On Ice perspective is exactly that type of defenseman. Matt Dumba is not. Matt Dumba's just too old, and I don't think he's as good also as Tony D'Angelo. I think that he's a power play specialist that doesn't have great, that great of five-on-five numbers and won't make that big of a difference for this Ducks team. Yeah, the thing with Matt Dumba is if you just told me in a vacuum the Ducks are picking up this player, he probably makes the team better. But what it would take to get him, and then you factor in the, the contract, then it just becomes unsavory. To, to bring him in. The only thing that's funny about Dumba, I feel like this happens with a lot of players on teams, smaller market teams, is there's this assumption out there that they're really good and really underrated. And then you dig in a little deeper, you know, you go under the hood and it's not nearly as, uh, <laughs> as pretty of a picture. So final name on our list at number one, kind of shocking that this guy's number one, but I'm not really sure how the rankings are determined. Matt Murray. <laughs> The two-time Stanley Cup champion, Matt Murray, as the NBCSN broadcast will have you know at every turn during the playoffs. Um, he's not really good anymore, it seems to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Save percentage last year was an 899. And, uh, I mean, maybe if he's a backup for the Ducks, maybe it kind of makes sense, but I would avoid. It's going to take a decent amount to get him. And it I, doesn't make And I think sense. teams that are trading for him might be trading for him to be their starter. That's the other thing that's crazy yeah. in all this. So yeah, so going and lo- looking back on this list, if we look, also, what is he gonna get? What is he gonna get on the free agency market? He may get a lot. Well, he's an RFA. Still, yeah. I, well, Sorry, I, free agency market was the right wasn't the right term. Uh-huh. When he gets traded, what is he gonna get on his next contract? Uh, I don't know. We don't really have goalie contract prediction models, but probably something somewhat significant. Probably you mm-hmm. would think he's gonna ask for what Gibson got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At minimum, Hell- Gibson and Hellebuck are, are basically the, playoff, the starting point for him. The playoff performances really yep. inflate the perception. Yep. So looking back at this list, we, we went through the top 20. Um, so for me, there are two players I would definitely target, which is Tony D'Angelo and Patrick Laine. Do you have any more than that? You could maybe throw Max Domi into that list, even though I don't think yeah. that makes a whole I, lot of sense. I would have Max Domi one tier below that. If, yeah, if the, I, if I would the price is right, I would for pure it. For pure chaos purposes, have Kyle Palmieri on that same level. <laughs> just to see him, just to watch Kyle Palmieri play, just for our own selfish yeah. benefit. And then exactly. maybe in the tier, either with Domi or slightly below, is Tar- Darcy Kemper. I could maybe yes. see that working. Um, but, yes. but So that's four players out of the top 20. So obviously it's hard to imagine the ducks becoming major players in, uh, in the trade market, just because the guys that seem to be available that we know of, of course, this is subject to change. Um, there's just not that many that make a lot of sense for this team. Now, of course we know that Bob Murray doesn't necessarily always act in the same vein that we would kind of expect. Uh, if you just look at all the shuffling of the deck chairs that has happened in the last year, but 
it it just some of these are just too illogical to happen well, for the Ducks. And I and I think the thing to keep in mind is kind of what you said. There could be a lot of guys actually out there available that aren't necessarily on this list. I mean, we talked about it. Guys, the Ducks could look to move. They're not mm-hmm. on this list though. And, and to us, they they potentially could be available and could be moved. And there's mm-hmm. been some chatter about they were talked about or various different things and so mm-hmm. who knows and, all, if, and also keep, keep in mind that last year adam henrique was on this list yeah and that never came to fruition um the only other thing here that i that i can think of is that i want to add is really if the ducks are making trades i mean we, just to reiterate it's either you're, you're getting a guy in line a or d'angelo a, a piece for the future or you're selling. You're just selling a player off. You know, you're trading yep. a guy for picks, no money coming back. Um, those are really the kind of moves that the Ducks should be making. Because if yep. if you have to spend a pick as a rebuilding team to go and get a player, that player has to be someone who's going to make you better in the long term. And and you've already kind of touched on that, but worth repeating. So, anything else you wanted to add on trades, or can we move on to a little? Uh, little cup um, final chatter. The the only other thing I think worth talking about is uh, Bobby Ryan got bought out or is in the process of being bought out. Mm-hmm. And so there are some Ducks fans that would like to see him back. And I think from a fan perspective, I would love to see it because Bobby Ryan, I have Bobby Ryan jersey. He was a favorite of mine. From a Ducks perspective, it does not make any sense whatsoever because let a, there's not a lot of cap space for the Ducks as we, we've covered. And so somebody would probably have to be moved out to make that happen um, in order, even if he's signing at two, two and a half million. And on top of that, you have kids coming into this, into the roster that are going to need spots. And so uh, bringing in an extra piece like that just doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it, it really doesn't. As, as much as I know people would want to see him back on the ducks. Uh, it just, they're, they're, it just doesn't make sense for, for where they're at. Um, so just shifting gears here a little bit towards the cup final. So we're going to move off of our, our, our weekly awards just because at this point, the, the, the well of content in terms of the playoffs, the bubble has... The weekly awards were good when there were multiple series going yeah. on to, to capture a lot of the different series, a mm-hmm. lot of our thoughts on what's going on overall without doing breakdowns of every game. Whereas now that we're, we're in the, the cup final, we have one series left. It... it, it this is it. This is the final round for everyone. Mm-hmm. And so I think the categories don't really matter as much. I, I mean, they didn't really, I guess, matter in the first place at all. But <laughs> we, we had fun with it. Tampa Bay Lightning, 3-2 lead. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, uh, it'll probably be Monday uh, or maybe a little after. So who knows? Maybe the couple have been awarded. But what's your thoughts just on this final in general? You know, how things have gone, uh, um, narratives, things like that. I think it's been an okay final. I, I think it hasn't necessarily caught my attention where it, it is must-see TV like previous finals have been. I don't know if part of that is cup fatigue or playoff fatigue where the playoffs have now been going on for an extra round and they've been going on a lot and there have been a lot of games every single day and I don't know if there maybe there's a little bit of fatigue on my aspect about that. I don't know if maybe it's just the matchup isn't that tantalizing for me i don't know if maybe it was vegas tampa i may have been more intrigued to watch these two thing two teams battle it out um i think the overall hockey has been fun i i think different games have been fun i think the overtimes have been good i i don't think it's the product has necessarily been bad i just think from my own mentality sake there's a little bit of fatigue and i think that that comes sometimes with the cup in general but when you add in the extra round i i think that that's happened i think 
from a viewing perspective, I'm very happy that Dallas actually won game five, not just because I would love to see Corey Perry lift, lift the cup, but I also think now this becomes a much more interesting final with it going to six games because, I mean, granted, obviously, Tampa wins game five. They win the cup. That's it. But it didn't really feel like Dallas was in the series outside of game one. It just felt like they were kind of getting dominated a little bit. And winning that game, it almost feels like, okay, this may go seven. This, this, I kind of think that Dallas is going to win game six and we're going to go to a game seven. It's so tough to say. I kind of disagree. I think it's been a really entertaining okay. final. I think the matchup, the matchup is good. Um, you have the, the, the favorites in the Tampa Bay Lightning, and then you have an upstart team just kind of a scrappier underdog in the Dallas yep. Stars who who are very good, you know, in, in their own way. Um, there's a lot of storylines as well with all of the veterans on the Stars and the fact that the, the Lightning just haven't done it with this group but have been so good in the regular season. So I think there's a lot there. I just think that the way the NHL has kind of marketed its its product for so long is that everything is about teams and everything is about rivalries and when something deviates from that or is not in that category True. if it's not a, if it's not a boston or a chicago or if it's not an original six then it just doesn't feel like it has as much gravity but it actually still does it's still a very compelling series and a, a compelling matchup but because the nhl hasn't really marketed it that way or at least hasn't always done it that way and also just that i think the nhl has been doing a better job of marketing individual personalities in recent years i think they've gotten a little bit better at that but they are still a very matchup dependent team dependent product in terms of their marketability and i think that that speaks to the fact that they haven't always done a the best job of pushing the different personalities on each team and if you look at these teams there's plenty of personality especially on the dallas side i mean Tyler Sagan, I think he's one of the the, the better interviews in the league. Um, Corey yeah. Perry, even though he's not a talker really much with the media, he's definitely an on-ice personality. I think Joe Pavelski is a, a, a decent interview. Alexander Radulov, just with that that crazy Russian, just toothless smile. Um, there's some personality there. And then yeah. Anton Hudobin. And then you, you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning, and this is a team of stars. I mean, Victor Hedman... I think he's he's very well spoken. Um, Nikita Kucherov, you, unexpectedly, has very good English for for a Russian player, which isn't always the case. And but that kind of gets lost in this shuffle. I, I I feel like, and and it's a shame because um, every team always has some some good storylines. And there's also the narrative going on that the the ratings have been down for this final. That they're the lowest they've been. I think since ironically 2007 uh, between Ottawa and Anaheim. And they kind of show, I mean, it, it's the same thing, right? The NHL has been lucky for the last decade plus mm -hmm. where the the finals have been Chicago against Boston, you know, huge mar hockey markets yeah. for the NHL. And and, yeah. and once it falls outside of that, I, I just don't think that should be a death sentence for, for the marketability and for the ratings. I, I think part of it, I mean, this now gets into a bit of the rating talk. I think part of it is a little bit of fatigue. I, I think that part of it is that. But I think you're right that it, that is marketability it's, or it's the markets. And I think part of that comes down to the NHL. The NHL as a whole is is very much a local league. Mm -hmm. it, it, you, everyone has their favorite team. And I don't think there are as many people that are fans of the game as a whole as, as similar to like the NFL, for instance, that yeah. will sit down and watch every, any game. You will watch anything if you're an NFL fan. 
Because, exactly. Because every game feels... I mean, maybe maybe you won't watch Titans-Jaguars on a Thursday, but you'll watch most games. And, and I think that's the contrast here. And so you're dealing with two of the smaller market teams in the league. Mm-hmm. And I think that may be a reason. You don't have this bigger market that's pushing ahead the ratings. And so I, I think it's just... It's a storm of basically all the worst possible scenarios for the NHL. It's the fact that they've had this two-month-long tournament. There could be people that have checked out because. But how of, much of, longer of, is it really than the normal playoffs? It's not that much longer. I guess it's a week longer. Yeah, I, I don't think that. I don't think really any of the. If you think about all the reasons that are cited, you know, such as the fact that it's in the summer, the fact that there's other that, 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 that I don't. Well, buy. no, just just going through the list. Yeah. The fact that it's in the summer months, the fact that there's other sports on the fact that it's long, none of these things are unique to the current context. And so Agreed. what it boils down to me is just simply the teams. It's just that. True. And and I do think that even if the NHL did this masterful job of of promoting the personalities and, and really went all in on that, maybe the ratings wouldn't be any better just because, like you said, because of the way that the, these sports fans – you know these the, the the fans of this league are, are regional fans. I think it's a lot like baseball in a way. Um, so maybe it's just this is just the reality. But it would be nice to see the, the teams like like these get a bit more love on the national stage than uh, than than we've seen so far. Yep. Although on Sunday Night Football tonight, Corey Perry got a, a little bit of or was talked about a little yes. bit on Sunday Night Football. Yes. I don't know that if you great. got that, but they were talking about the game and they were Chris talking about Collinsworth. Corey Perry uh, so scoring in double overtime. What do you think about that, by the way, the Corey Perry goal last night? I mean, it was great. <laughs> it, it was it was vintage Perry. I mean, being front of that two goal game for yep. him, you got to feel great for him. The and, fact of everything he's been through, we talked about it. A and little he's bit hot. And he's hot show, now. But yeah, he's he's hot. I mean. That was the perfect Perry goal. Kind of tries to jam it, ends up finding it off the rebound and putting it in the back of the net. I mean, the first goal he scored was just him being at the net and finding a puck. I mean, yeah. it's vintage Perry. And he he had a goal in the game before. So yeah, <laughs> yep. And I, and I think a lot of Ducks fans. I mean, Tony throws in our Twitch chat. He says he may might have missed a game or two if it weren't weren't for Perry. And I think that kind of sums it up. Of like essentially, unless you have something, some sort of rooting interest, it your interest in the the series dwayne or it goes down a little bit let me and let so, me ask you this for, yeah just quickly have you been more were you more into the final last year with st louis and boston because hmm. i almost for, I, think that, I almost forgot that that series happened <laughs> i think i was because of the the i thought the st louis blues story was very compelling yeah, so the story because I don't think St. Louis is really a big market. No, I think it's maybe I, I th- higher I think than the, these. I two. think the story of them, especially from an analytics perspective, they were a team that you looked at the underlying numbers and you could see that they were actually a good team and they were just in a rut, and you could see the rise coming. And so to see that kind of come into to fruition and them end up winning the cup, to me that story w- was interesting. And so maybe it is it's a storytelling type of situation where I'm looking when the ducks aren't in it for me, I need to have a story that's compelling for me. And maybe as much as I want Corey Perry to win, maybe it's just all the years of the Dallas stars being a rival. It's hard for me to fully get behind rooting for them and being them being compelling story. I find Tampa to be somewhat, but they're still the juggernaut and it would be nice to see them win, but they're not that compelling of a story to me. I think that I think it's a pretty compelling. I think this, final to me has been more compelling than the last one 
Um, Fair enough. Just because I've always looked at the Blues as a good team for the most part, and I could care less about Boston. And with Dallas and Tampa Bay, these are teams that haven't done it in, in this era, right? I mean, Tampa Bay was in the final in 2014 or 2015, and Dallas hasn't been there since 98, so or 99. Again, what might be wrong on those dates, but the point is teams that haven't been there in a while, players that haven't been there in a while. Um, and so to me, that's always compelling because Boston, they've already been there. Um, St. Louis hadn't done it, but I guess I just wasn't as... Uh, there weren't players on that team that I was so excited to see when outside of maybe like David Perron, for example, but I don't know. I mean, what would have been the more compelling matchup? You think this that we have now, or say, uh, you know, a, a Tampa Bay Vegas, for example, I think Tampa, it's hard to say. I think, I think Tampa Vegas better. may have, I think this is more compelling to me. There is more of a storyline here. I think Tampa Vegas would have been entertaining from the, the sense of you have the two best teams in the league, but I don't know if that's really that compelling of a story if we're looking at it like that. What if we had had um, Islanders Dallas? <laughs> God, God. Yeah, Islanders Why? Vegas. Right. So let's get. Into, we have a couple of Twitch questions. Let's get into them real quick. Sure. By the way, if you want to watch us live, go to Twitch.tv/CrashThePond. If you want to help support us, uh, hit the subscribe button. If you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime sub each and every month. You do have to hit that button after 30 days. Uh, you get special emotes in the chat, special badges next to your name. And it really does help support the show more than you can imagine. So let's jump into a couple of questions here. This one comes from Lewis. Uh, he says, and I didn't even know there were different theme songs, but this is an NFL question, so I'm going to ask you it. Between Fox, CBS, ESPN, and NBC, who has the best NFL theme song? Oh, it's for sure Fox. I can't I have picture strong what any of them are like besides this. Fox. No, Fox's is really good. Um, I think the NBC, the the Sunday Night Football theme is kind of, uh, it just, I think that's more of a matter of taste because you've got the, I feel, I, I can't remember her name right now, the artist that does the song. Oh, Carrie Underwood. Carrie Underwood. I always, that, I, are I, we I, calling that the NBC song? Well, I think it's part of it. It's the Sunday Night Football song. Yeah. Fair enough. But, yeah. but Fox's song just, it just gets me hyped. It just gets me going in a way that, uh, that, that 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 Sunday night doesn't. I kind of love them all, though. To be honest, I'm just I'm just a fan. You know, I mean, I'm a sucker. You know, they they, they, they can have my money. <laughs> all right, here we go. Uh, Ginger Wolf says, "Do you guys think the publicity surrounding the introduction of the Kraken will help to make more people aware of Western Conference teams? Do you think the Kraken will help the duck or help the Western Conference get a little bit more publicity?" Sure. I mean, it's a new team. It's a it's a team in a market that hasn't had uh, an NHL franchise since the the turn of the 20th century. So, sure, it'll draw attention, just like Vegas drew attention as a new market and um, a, a, a new a new set of storylines. So, yeah, sure. I mean, this notion though, this notion that teams in the Western Conference are underappreciated and are overlooked. Do you buy into that? Yes, really. I I really? I think that they are overlooked in the sense of they are not given TV spotlight. And now, granted, mm-hmm. I think part of that goes to exactly what we were just talking yeah. about in terms of the- ratings and things like that. And so you can maybe say it's deserved. 
I would like to see it spread around a little bit more. And this goes into the, the conversation of building up teams to make them more recognizable nationwide. And that's something the league should do a better job of by getting more nationwide spots. I mean, the league is, in my opinion, royally screwed up with their TV deal going only with NBC. Why? There's nothing. I mean, look at what the NFL does with every single network that they're they're in business with. What, but, what says you can't be on ESPN also? What yeah. says, I mean, what is, like, realistically, ESPN, they have basketball every once in a while, but it's mainly on TNT. No, no, a game no ES- ESPN has a contract with the NBA. No, no, I, I know, yeah. but it, it aren't more games on TNT no, than ESPN? No, I think, I think this, the, the split is about even. Well the, thi- okay. well, the thing with the NFL, though, is that they can struct, they have an easier road to structuring True. that because you can sell the Sunday night game. NBC has that. Fox and CBS kind of split up the the rest of Sunday and then you can sell the Monday night slot and the Thursday night spot. So I think for the NFL, it's just, it's structurally easier to well, accomplish, but this may be a sign that the NHL should be moving towards something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, I mean the, 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 the hockey night in Canada originally was, you know, always Saturday night. Right. And that's kind of been the draw of hockey night in Canada is that it's Saturday yep. night. And so I, Try to just make up. I mean, they, they kind of try to do that with Wednesday night rivalries. Wednesday night rivalry <laughs> night, but that's a... Well, when, now it's yeah, just what, Western, Wednesday night hockey, I believe. Yeah, they, they changed <laughs> that. Maybe just take the the Saturday night, the CBC broadcast, and throw it on. Mm-hmm. E, come up with a deal with ESPN. And now, granted, I think that probably would be hard because Sportsnet, Sportsnet and ESPN and TSN, I think, are uh, related in yeah. some way. How, how do you... No, they're not. It's uh, it's not. Rogers TSN and Sportsnet. No, I'm talking about TSN and ESPN. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, I actually don't know. Um, but so I, for uh, just as a kind of side note for NBC's work in these playoffs, how would you rate it? Just the overall performance of the different analysts and the network, and just the presentation. I think the presentation's been good. I think still no shot clock, ad- by the way. It's on every once in a while. It's better than it used to be. Sure. Take your victories, I guess, when you can. Um, it's been adequate, I guess. I, I don't know it's, if it's been amazing. I would put it at lackluster. Okay. I j- Too much Pierre? Well, they actually made the smart move, and he's... They did Brian Boucher in the finals yeah, compared to Pierre. and Pierre does the interview, which I actually think Pierre is a good interviewer. I think he's actually, he gets reactions out of guys. And so that's good, but we don't have to hear him for the rest of the game. I think the the crew that they picked for the final is, they, they made the right choices, but I just, the studio commentary still doesn't do it for me. I think Patrick Sharp is, is just dull. Um, Keith, yeah. Keith Jones is fine, but I've, He's been there for so long. I'd want to see something Bring new. Bring um, Anson- Yeah. And, well, he's on Sportsnet. But Anson Carter's fine. I still don't think he's that interesting. So, yeah, just shake things up. Shake it up. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, what have you thought about the crowd noise? Uh, AMC NLB brought that up uh, for the crowd noise. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's important for it to be there. Um, it just it makes it seem a little more lively on TV. But... Give the give the players credit. The the emotion in these games is still oh yeah as high as ever. And and you, so, and, you, and look no further than the, than their reactions when they score big goals. It's yeah. it's the exact same. Yep. All right. So let's finish with this question. Um, it comes from a uh, time. He said, "Perry has three goals in two games. <laughs> is he still good? Right now, sure. Yes. He, Hashtag Perry is still in, good. In general, he's a fourth liner, but." Still good. <laughs> I, still I know good. your answer to that. Yep, still good. 
So I, I think that's going to do it, though, for us tonight. Yep. It's been a good one. Yep. Um, excited. Final week of the, the playoffs. Going to be really turning into to the, the draft next weekend and then having our draft reaction. We have some big oh, yeah. things coming. Um, We're going to have news. Patron, <laughs> yes. Anyone who's a patron, we'll get into how to subscribe and, and all that in a bit. But we will be recording on Tuesday, so expect that to come out then. If you have any topics, throw it in our Discord chat. We'll We'll get to whatever you want us to talk about and have a good time there and then the other thing i do want to give a shout out for obviously in upcoming shows we'll have a little bit more in depth on on everything with them but we have now partnered with manscape for the next little bit and so if you want to get a a little bit of a discount go to manscape.com use the code ctp as shown on the screen if you're looking at the screen right now on youtube or on twitch but use the code ctp at checkout for 20 percent off plus free shipping um can't really say enough good things about the manscape lawnmower 3.0 that you and i got it works great. <laughs> Just leave it at that. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm thrilled that you know that the next couple of weeks here are, are going to be a, a, a needed boost, I think, for for the show and also just for Ducks fans in general. We're going to get some actual new things to talk about. We're finally going to put an end to the conversation and the debates about who, where the Ducks will will go with the sixth overall pick, what they should do, because. They're going to make the pick, and we're going to find out, and we're going to be able to break it all down. I'm sure there'll be some trades, so it's good stuff. Also, I did want to ask you, since you are a man of many sports, a man of yeah. a man of many uh, many interests, I know that you're not the biggest basketball fan, but the your local team, the LA Lakers, are in the yeah. NBA Finals. So I will I will be rooting for the Lakers. This Le- is how LeBron I, I against I, his former team now confirmed the Miami. This Heat. is. This is how I explain my fandom. I will completely, completely accept the fact that I'm a bandwagon fan uh, of the Lakers. But I think anyone of of my generation would consider themselves in that ilk, mainly because I was, I don't know, 8 to 10 years old during the three-peat from what would have been 2000 to 2002. Uh, The three-peat there, and then in college during kind of the second run with Kobe and, and Phil back and Pau Gasol and everything like that. And so the Lakers being good were a big part of my childhood and kind of everyone that I knew, including my parents, everything like that, were watching Lakers games, so I would watch them. It's not exactly something that I go out of my way to watch now, but it's something that I I will call myself a as someone who roots for the Lakers in this situation. Well, But it's not as if I care immensely about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we all know that about you. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say, I am a Warriors fan. Everybody knows that. But right now, I'm the biggest Miami Heat fan in the world. Go Heat. Heat, <sighs> heat and seven. Heat and six. Whatever. Do it Do it for Kobe. I, do it for Kobe. I, I don't want to see LeBron win another championship. I just don't. Um, but, um, yeah. Speaking of other sports, uh, before we get into all of our plugs, um, you are completely uh, correct with the handball rule in I told you. the Premier League being awful. Tottenham got royally screwed this. Oh, morning. so now see this is always how it, this is always how it happens. This is always <laughs> yep. this is yep. always how Jake comes to the light. He has to be yep. personally affected. Yep. Hey, hey, we all have to at some point in time. Sure. Um, yeah, Tottenham got royally screwed in the 93rd minute by a VAR decision of Eric Dyer getting shoved slightly, which put him off balance. So his arm goes out in a bit of an unnatural uh, spot, and the ball gets kicked in. A guy behind, like five Wait, feet behind mean, him, do, do head, mean, heads it down into his arm. Do you mean oh, so handball rule or VAR in general? Both, 
well, it's the hand. The VAR is whatever. It's there. <laughs> the, no, the issue with the issue with this, and I think it's the same thing in the one that you were kind of frustrated about. It's not necessarily a VAR issue. It's a, the handball Which rule one I, issue. The 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 Lundeloff? Manchester the Manchester United Crystal Palace game. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's a deflection. You know, yeah. it, it's it's tough. It's it, how, how are how are you supposed to jump with your hands being at your side when you jump physically? Your arms want to go up, and they're they're they are well, punishing players for their arms being up for jumping, and guys near them heading the ball into their arms. Well, the, the funny thing is that ever since the Lindelof handball happened for, for Manchester United, it's happened about three other times in matches yeah. that I've watched. Yeah. And what's funny is that the commentators will say things like, oh, yeah, this is just like the Lindelof handball, and it like never is. <laughs> Some are like actually completely blatant. and uh, I think that yeah. the di- this dire one was that I haven't seen it. it. Now, I, can I... I just I, go, let's get a live reaction going here. Go 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 for it. it. It's not good. It's really bad, and it led to a penalty that, that ended up Newcastle. Yeah, D I R D I E R, and it led to to Newcastle tying up the game against uh, my Tottenham and leading to a one one draw. Where if you're looking at expected goals, Tottenham had an expected goals of three on the day. Mm-hmm. I think Newcastle had an expected goals of zero point three. Uh huh. So this is a game Tottenham fully deserved to win. Okay, I'm well, I'm and, looking at it now. Here we go. Felix's live reaction here. Oh, also, let me add well, in the fact it, on this. In real time, it was. Okay, yeah, anyway, go ahead. Uh, on this play, the reason why there's a free kick at all is a guy on Newcastle uh, kicks the or makes a really bad pass and keeps running and stumbles into a Tottenham player. And somehow there's a foul that's called there when he jumps and stumbles into a Tottenham player. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So all of, all of it bad. I see that. Uh, okay, let's see. Go up for it. go up for the header. Oh. oh, they awarded a penalty for that. Yeah, in the ninety third minute, that ninety second minute. He's not even looking at the play. He's not even. Yeah. Oh, and he got shoved before he jumped. You can't decide a match with that. Yep. You just can't. Now you get why I say I agree with you fully. Well, I. That is a very strict interpretation of the rule that they went with there. Yep. And, and uh, that well, that's because basically they rewrote the handball rule this offseason to go more with what UEFA said. And I mean, you even you even saw the the manager for Newcastle, Steve Bruce, came out and said he's like, "I'll take the win. It benefited us." But he's like, "I don't want to win that yeah, way." The rule is the the rule has just gotten out of hand. The, it's funny because the only match I watched this weekend, and I got really unlucky, was Burnley Southampton. Yeah, you'll you're so everyone out there. Felix is now watching more Premier League matches mainly because his uh, roommate is obsessed with the Premier League. Yeah, and, he's a Stoke fan. Uh, th- this is a situation where Felix is going to learn what teams you want to watch and what teams you don't. Because I could have told you if you would have asked me, "Hey, should I watch Burnley Southampton?" I would have said well, no. I, to, Why would to you be do fair, that? To yourself? I wasn't really watching it that intently. I was writing in the background, but I, I th- yeah, I also watched the Manchester game. Manchester United, and you know it, it was it was fine. Um, the City Leicester game today was good. Just to, since we're on the random sports tangent, UFC 253 was a smashing success. Uh, the two the two title fights: Jan Blahovich taking down Dominic Reyes, and then Israel Adesanya just dissecting Paulo Costa. Great, great fight night. So, ending it on that. Anything else you want to add? Um, 
No, I think I'm good. <laughs> we covered all the bases. Angels missed the playoffs. Shocker. Well, they fired Billy Epler. <laughs> Who is that? Their general manager. Oh, that that is that good that, or bad? That is a big deal. Uh, this we'll defer to CJ on this. <laughs> Ask CJ his opinion. Okay. Okay, that's fair. He didn't seem too pleased in his text. No. So Billy Epler's done a good job, and he just hasn't been able to. I mean, he was in on some big big name players, and just they went elsewhere. I mean, if if the Angels were able to get Garrett Cole in the off season, they're a playoff team. Yeah. So the playoffs are they're starting right they're they, it's already like i think wednesday or thursday is when they start october 1st i think sports now the big the big question for the nhl is just gonna start gonna it's gonna start centering it already has about what next season will look like because that is still to be determined um what are they gonna do are they gonna take the baseball approach is, is that what they're gonna do um i don't know yeah it's gonna who knows it's gonna be interesting okay but, um oh just really want to say, mm-hmm. uh, good Yuntif, everyone. It's officially Yom Kippur. So for anyone listening to this either tonight or tomorrow morning, uh, hope you're all, and anyone obviously who's Jewish, hope you have a happy Yom Kippur. And everyone out there, hope you have a happy and healthy New Year. It's officially, last week was Rosh Hashanah, officially the Jewish New Year. Now it is uh, Yom Kippur. What is it? Four, the two, what is it? 4,800 something? I don't the, know off the, the top year. Of my head, Felix. I think I, I saw know. it somewhere. I, so I, I can look it up if you want. I mean, you don't, you don't um, have to, but... But, but yes, it, it is Yom Kippur. So um, happy Yom Kippur, everyone out there. Yep. Hope you have a very healthy and uh, good fast ahead of you. There you go. Or you can just be like me and fast every day. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. So on that note, a couple different ways you can support the show. First and foremost, uh, check us out on Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us there and leave a review. Or you can take the easy way out. And honestly, it doesn't get much easier. Go to the Apple Podcast app, type in Crash the Pond, select the show, scroll down and just tap the five stars and you're done. It's, it's as simple as that, but it goes a long way. Of course, if you leave a review, we'll read it on the show. Uh, we, we love getting those. It, it, it's, it's a, uh, it's a labor of love. So, you know, getting some kind words, some good feedback, it, it really does keep us going. Uh, we are also on, uh, Spotify. So you can check us out there. Um, really any of your favorite podcast platforms, we're going to be there, but Apple Podcasts is a big one that, that drives the show and the success. We're on YouTube. Uh, is it youtube.com slash crash the pond? Correct. There you go. Uh, Jake already talked about us being on Twitch. Uh, when we do these on Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we do a Twitch stream. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Felix, under, at Felix underscore Sicard and then at Rainier Gives Anyone. Plugging that now because that's where we tweet out the, the link to the, the live stream. And then, of course, um, if you really enjoy the show, if you really want to support us further, we do have a Patreon, so there's two tiers of support there. Uh, for a dollar a month, uh, you get access to our Discord chat, and that is definitely going to heat up in the coming weeks. That's where we talk about recent moves, we talk about games, and when the Ducks are in season, um, who knows when that'll happen again, but it will at some point. And in the past, we do live uh, live chats during the game, so we'll just be in the, the live chat the entire game, or in the Discord chat just going back and forth commenting. So it's a lot of fun and it's for a dollar a month and it, it actually does help. Believe it or not, it adds up for $5 a month though. You still get access to the discord chat. And on top of that, you also get two bonus episodes a month. And, um, those are a lot of fun. If, if you enjoy kind of the banter that we have on this show, if you enjoy the personality that I think we have, that I think we bring, uh, 
it's basically all of that and more on the bonus episodes. And we also get to go a bit more in depth on different topics as well. So highly recommend that. It, it really does go a long way. And I'm just going to say it now. And Jake, you might not like this, but for our next episode, we're going to do a mock draft. We're gonna do a mock draft oh. for the first round. So buckle, ooh. buckle up. It's gonna get, ooh. it's gonna get wild. It's gonna get uh, weird, but it'll be a we'll, lot of we'll fun. We'll discuss. Maybe, maybe we pull in CJ for this one to get a three, three person uh, mock draft. Going. Yeah, we might. We'll see. We, we, we'll, we'll do something. But so it, it, we're, we're, we're in draft mode now. It, it, it's draft season. It has been, but now it's really heating up. So we're gonna do that. Um, and that's at Patreon.com/slash Crash the Pond. So last thing here, uh, check out the website CrashThePond.com. Uh, at Crash the Pond on Twitter. We're also on Facebook. Let's just search Crash the Pond there. Um, and we've got some more goodies coming your way. We're gonna we're gonna keep this thing going. Jake already touched on a little bit, but we are working right now with Manscaped. Just if you're gonna buy any products there, if you're looking to up your grooming game, use the code CTP at checkout. Save a little money. Um, but that's gonna do it for us tonight, folks. Hope you had a really good week um, since we recorded at the end of the week, and I hope you have a great coming week and you have a great Monday and You just keep thriving. Keep thriving, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.